Welcome to the Daily Thunder Podcast. I am your host, Brandon Rabar, beat writer for DailyThunder.com. Every week, we will have guests ranging from national sports writers and local reporters to OKC celebrities and Thunder staff and players. I am incredibly excited about our guest this week, Oklahoma City Mayor David Holt. He's not only one of the greatest leaders our city has ever known, but he's also one of the most passionate and knowledgeable Thunder fans you'll ever meet. I'll chat with Mayor Holt about this year's Thunder, the relationship between team and city, the global impact of having an NBA team in Oklahoma, the Bombing Memorial City Edition Thunder jerseys, and his thoughts on the passing of two NBA icons in David Stern and Kobe Bryant. We've also put together a stirring Oklahoma City-themed tribute to Kobe Bryant with favorite Mamba memories from OKC fans, along with some of the legendary Lakers' thoughts throughout the years of this Thunder team. So I'm here with Mayor David Holt, and I'm really excited. We we started talking off the air, Mm -hmm. and when we were coming in today, I told Rachel, our producer, I was like, you know, the mayor and I have some history. (laughs) It'd be really cool if he remembers me. I think he might, but I'm not sure. Sure, sure, Brandon. Yeah, exactly. The mayor knows me. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) She's like, you don't know the mayor. (laughs) And then when I sit down, you. I'm glad I could validate that for you. Yes, you did. You you had this. Honestly, we can just stop the podcast right now. I just wanted you to validate me. So we're good. No. uh, So. I worked at the Bethany Tribune mm-hmm. uh, as a writer. I was kind of their entertainment sports writer, and I did some other things. And back then, you were—I was a senator for for you know parts of Northwest Oklahoma City, the Village, War Acres, and Bethany. You right. know, some people in Oklahoma City think Bethany's like in Western Oklahoma or something. It's right. you know surrounded by Oklahoma City. It's just uh, a few miles west of I forty four in the Hefner Parkway, and uh, but it's got its own little newspaper, right? That yeah. it's had for forever, and uh, you were there, and so yeah, as the senator that had most of Bethany, I, I had to have a good relationship with the Bethany Tribune. <laughs> yeah, so. no, it was great, and look at us now. Hey, look, <laughs> look at, at us, us now. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, and and I got to share this tidbit real quick. I don't know if you'll remember this or not, but uh, we did meet a few times and I did some stories on things you were doing. But there was a time where there was a kids group playing at the Bethany Library, okay. and you said it was your oh, kids' favorite. Sugar Free All Stars. Yes, <laughs> Sugar Free. I was racking my brain trying to remember who it was, and so uh, I was there that day covering the Sugar Free All Stars, and you took your kids and. Uh, I'm, I'm just going to say this. You were so fun that day. You were just hanging out with your kids <laughs> and you were just overjoyed to be there with this kids mm-hmm. group and your kids. We were like sugar free group. all-star groupies. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and I, and I told, I went home and uh, I told my girlfriend at the time, my now wife, I said, whatever this guy does for the rest of his life, he's got my vote because that dude was cool. He was just hanging out with his kids and enjoying this kids group. So I wanted to tell you that. So, um, I did want to talk to you about the thunder though. So the reason that would make sense. It's the thunder podcast. Yeah. (laughs) So I love how big a fan you are. Uh And so I just wanted to get your take on, on a few things thunder, but, but first off, just as a fan, just kind of taking the mayor hat off Mm -hmm. and just talking about the, this particular team with CP3 and SGA as a fan. What's your thoughts on this year's team? I think it's going to go down, um, you know, unless it takes a real turn at this point. I think it's going to go down as a lot of people's favorite season. Um, 
or at least in a top three, maybe out of the, you know, how many are we? Are we at 12? Yeah, this is 12. Yeah. <laughs> 12 season. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Plus the two Hornet seasons. Right. Um, and, and that's because, first of all, the expectations were so low. And I think actually in retrospect, a little ridiculous. I mean, you still had like a Hall of Famer on the team right. and, and you had every uh, somebody that was fairly widely acknowledged to be an up and coming, likely all star plus right. Steven at in, in SGA plus Steven Adams plus Dennis Schroeder. I mean, like it wasn't plus Gallinari. I mean, I don't know why it was just a shock of losing Westbrook and George. Like right. just really was such a gut punch that people were just all oh, woe is me, you know, and sort of ignored the fact that we had a pretty good roster. And, and I think having said that, they even still, they have outperformed these last, you know, 30 games or whatever it is to be, I mean, certainly even, even if you just said, okay, maybe it's a pretty good roster, you wouldn't have said they were the third best team in the NBA, but since whatever it is like, you know, mid November, they are the third best team in the NBA and, and it's gone on now so long and with such consistency, you know, two two to three months, you have to start to wonder, maybe they're really a good team and that you really do just sort of throw out those first 15 games. So I think it was, uh, uh, what is it? They started five and 10. And then since then, they've gone like 23 and 10 or yeah. something. And, and, you know, a complete turnaround. And, you know, that winning percentage of that second stretch would be like a 60 win pace over a full season, which yeah. is which is kind of like the benchmark for great teams, right? In in the NBA. So I think it's just really interesting and and a lot of fun to watch. And so besides just the winning, the way they play is such a team ball, you know, which we're not quite used to. I mean, we've had some <laughs> epic players and they've been fun to watch, but um, you know, it's been all about them, you know. It's been, right. you know, especially in the final moments of a game. It's been all about, you know, especially the last three years, it was all about Westbrook and to some extent PG. And now it's like you don't know who's gonna hit the big shot. Right. And it doesn't seem like they care, you know? And so it's just a really good vibe and dynamic that seems to work for all of them real well. I've read the supposed tension between CP and James Harden and all that. And then you look at here where where he's sort of beloved and you can see how this dynamic might be better. Like he likes to teach and he's got a bunch of young guys that want to learn. Right. And so everybody's happy with that, you know, and maybe like a veteran isn't as like apt to, to want to hear CP's coaching, you know, right. but like, but a, but a 20 year old definitely is. And so it's like, he's happy. He gets to coach essentially. They're happy. They get to learn from a hall of famer and nobody seems to have any particular pride everybody's getting the numbers they want you know everybody seems happy with their roles i mean it's just it's just it's just fun really and that's the number one word i've heard people use with this team is that it's fun right kind of felt i think it had gotten like almost like constrictive the last yeah. few years you know and like yeah. and watching the last five minutes of games it was like oh how is how is this not going to go well you know how is one <laughs> player going to try to do too much you know i mean the, the hero shot right became right. a phrase we got used to around here and that's just not been an issue so I don't know where this team goes. I am I'm fully aware that the it seems like the commentary around the league is still, oh, this is this is a nothing team and this is right. just like a filler in between eras, you know. And that's easy to say while we're still the seven seed, but um, despite the as we sit here, we're coming off a loss, but it was kind of a weird game and you know, Kobe's death and CP not being there as a result. And it just didn't it almost feel like it shouldn't count, you know. Right. But, yeah. I mean it, I know it does count, but <laughs> I'm hopeful that that was sort of an anomaly and we'll pull right out of that. But but anyways, you know, if we continue this pace, we're not going to be the seventh seed. We're right. going to be, I mean, if you actually, I haven't really crunched the numbers, but I mean, if we continued our pace, I would have to think we're like looking at a four seed or something. And then it's just a totally different thing. Then you can say, 
I don't not not necessarily saying we're going to be like the Lakers or the Bucks, but I do think that we could make some noise in the playoffs. Actually, win around. Right. I, mean, I think winning yeah. around here would be big Huge. deal for us because we haven't gotten to do that, experience that in a while. You right. Know? So, um, so I think it's interesting and and certainly makes you wonder how this segues into what what would be the next chapter. I mean, you know, CP's not 28. So, I mean, he will only be a part of this team at most for three years. I know there's people who think he's only gonna be here another week or whatever, but I mean, but I don't think that's going to happen. I think he is going to be here a little while, but you know, at the most, like, you know, he's only got a few years left. So it is essentially SGA's team if he wants it, you know, for the long term. And so, you know, it'll be still a bit of transition, but this isn't a rebuild, right? I mean, this seems more like a reload. And and so we'll just see. And, and, And I know that in Sam, I trust. So I know that like everything could change tomorrow. And, and I think we're all, you know, we've all tried to prepare ourselves for that. I, but I'm not sure. I mean, if I were a GM, sure, that, that'd be a hard trigger to pull when the team's playing as well as it is, you know. So we'll see. That was a perfect recap. I mean, honestly, <laughs> this is exactly why I wanted you on the show. Because, you know, I feel like some mayors of cities, they know their teams. But do they really know their teams? And Mayor Holt really knows this team uh, inside and out. It's so impressive. I mean, if you decide to get out of politics and want to jump into sports radio, you would be a natural. I'm just saying. Uh, no, I may, I may need the money. Yeah. <laughs> Well, maybe you shouldn't go into sports radio then, I'll tell you that. Right. Fair enough. Um, so is it is it odd for you at all to, you know, you're you're here in the in the mayor's office, mm-hmm. you know, nine to five Monday through Friday, but then you go out to the game and you're wearing your Chris Paul jersey. I hear you're a sneaker head, so you probably <laughs> got you probably got your sneakers, which which I think, you know, is one of the things that's endearing about you to mm-hmm. to people in Oklahoma City. They see mm-hmm. you on Twitter, they see you talking about the team, they mm-hmm. see that you're a fan. Is it hard to make that switch from from mayor of the city to fan at the games? And well, you're and- never not mayor. I mean, I think right. that's something you sort of have to accept, you know. Um, maybe when you're out of town, I mean, you can sort of escape it to some extent. But um, but yeah, when you're at a game, I mean, I, I don't necessarily feel anonymous or anything, you right. know. <laughs> but you know, but but I think I think to me, public service and being in elected office now for you know a decade. I've always tried to be the same person publicly that I am privately. And, and I recognize I've seen it. I've, I know there's people who like try to put on this persona and I've never wanted to do that so that I'm not like putting on a different hat, you know? I mean, right. so it's not a different experience to be sitting here with you and to be sitting at the game, you know, like I just, I'm just me. So I'm just going to be me everywhere. And um, the only difference is when I'm me in Oklahoma city, I'm, I'm sort of well known. And so, you know, uh, I have to recognize that people are watching me or something, but you know, uh, and when I leave town, maybe not so much, but otherwise, yeah, I just try not to be conscious of that and just, just be me and that that'll all work out. So that was a great answer. That was a great, and that's why we were voting for you. So, um, you, you've met so many cool people from, you know, celebrities, athletes, politicians. I'm curious, is there anybody that you've met, whether it be through the NBA or anywhere else where you've been starstruck or, you know, have you met so many people now that, you know, hmm. meeting Chris Paul is just, you know, hmm. meeting somebody else? Or is there anyone that you're like, wow, I just met this guy? I think, well, I mean, uh, I think I would be starstruck and emotional if I ever got to meet Paul McCartney. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one. You're the mayor. Couldn't you make that happen? Like next time he comes to the, know, we'll to the peak? <laughs> um, you know, that's there a are one. a handful of people. I mean, I, I yeah, I mean. Being living the life I've led, I've been exposed to an inordinate and disproportionate number of 
famous people, either they're political f- famous or entertainment or sports famous. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm to some extent fairly jaded about that in the sense that I don't put them on a pedestal anymore. Right. I recognize they're just normal humans. Having said that, there's still like a handful of people I put on a pedestal probably who I'm still just like, ah, oh, man, you just... God just gave you something extra, you know, like you're, you're kind of a, you know, you're a a God among mortals and Paul McCartney would be on that list. But no, I mean, I've I've gotten to, you know, meet presidents and, and NBA all-stars and, but you know, you also just got to recognize they're just people like you and me who just had a weird career path that happened to make them famous. You know, famous is a weird thing. I'm experiencing fame for the first time in my life in the last two years, you know, and it's a local fame, right? right. It doesn't (laughs) extend more than, you know, 20 miles from where we're sitting, (laughs) but it's weird. I I mean, just, I mean, I could, I mean, I, I I see how weird it is. It's just weird. right? Right. I mean, people just, first of all, just to go, you don't realize how much your anonymity um, is something that you value until you lose it, you know? And like, so it's just weird to like cross the street or check out at the grocery store or get onto an elevator and everybody says, Oh, hi mayor. You know, <laughs> yeah. like, you know what? Like the, you're like on the Truman show. Like everybody knows your name. It's weird. And so, you know, it's just, it's something to get used to. And, and, uh, and so I guess in my own limited experience, I'm able now to sort of, um, empathize, you know, with the more globally famous people that I meet from time to time, you know, and, and they have to experience what I experience on a local level everywhere they go on the globe, you know? Right. And so it's, it, they can't ever escape it. I can still escape it physically, you know, but, but it's, it's so, you know, it's just a funny thing. Fame is a funny thing. I also want to recognize that it's fleeting. Cause I see that, you know, as famous as somebody seems today, even nationally, you know, that fades. Right. I mean, right. it's just the, the way of things. And, um, and so I, I always remember that as well and, and try not, so try not to like let fame, you know, like be something that I'm wedded to or enjoy too much, you know? Right. Yeah. <laughs> so anyways, I don't know. We sort of digressed. Is this a thunder podcast? I'm sorry. <laughs> We've gotten a little metaphysical. <laughs> well, I love so much though that, that you said that you've met presidents and all those things. You're like, yeah, whatever. I want to meet Paul Carney. <laughs> McCartney. I love that. Uh, that's a great answer. Um, okay. So, but you mentioned global fame. I did yeah. want to talk about, you know, the global reach of mm-hmm. the thunder you know, as a team and, and from your perspective, you know, you get to see kind of the inner workings, you know, we, we always hear about the, the reach of the thunder across not only Oklahoma, but across the country and what seeing that Oklahoma city across the Jersey means, you know, and then you got people in China or Russia right, watching right. this team. So have you seen anything from your side of things that you're like, wow, this team on a global scale or, or well, national scale is, is helping Oklahoma city in oh, way absolutely. the reach of the city. Absolutely. I mean, the NBA is one of the leading global brands, you know, I mean, there's like, there's not 10 brands that are better known than, than the NBA. And when you're one of the 30 cities that get to be a part of that, you know, that's just an incalculable benefit for our city because, you know, there's multiple levels to this. There's sure there's like the game nights and that's great. And that's good for Bricktown bars and, and, you know, that kind of thing. But I've always felt the far more substantial benefit is that is the one that is much less easier to quantify. And that is the fact that you're now a part of a global conversation and people, you know, having a professional sports team in America is sort of a shorthand signal for people that you're a city that's got enough population, enough corporate presence, enough everything to sustain hosting one of these, you know, 30 teams. And so people just pay attention to us in a way they never would have before. They, you know, whether it be retail options, whether it be, you know, job creators, you know, offices of international companies. I mean, 
they look at the thunder and they go, why am I, I should, I should probably be doing business in Oklahoma city. Right. You know, we're not in Oklahoma city. Why are yeah. we not in Oklahoma city? You know, and they would never be asking themselves that question <laughs> when we didn't have the thunder. And right. so it's just, it's such a huge deal. And it's, it's probably, um, there's so many things that as a mayor and as a city, we have to take care of, but I would argue that it's really hard to take care of some of these other issues, you know, like homelessness and mental health. If you don't have the economic resources to right. do so, and you don't have those economic resources, if you're not, you know, playing at a high level in the international competition for dollars and jobs and people, and to do that, you got to have a professional sports team. I, I mean, it's just, it is what it is. It, it, people who don't like sports find that sometimes kind of like offensive, you know, right. <laughs> they don't get it. Um, but it is the closest thing we have in America to bestowing a blue ribbon on our top cities is to have a professional sports team in one of the major, you know, I would say three major leagues, you know, there's five essentially, but, but, you know, to have it in the NBA, the MLB or the NFL is, is the most important thing. And so, you know, when you look at like maps four that we just passed, there were some really critical things there for the people of Oklahoma city. But, but a lot of it becomes possible ultimately in the long term because of the one project we had that will keep, you know, the thunder here for another 15 years. And that was the enhancements to the Chesapeake Arena. And so it's hard to categorize priorities when you're mayor. They're all important. Everything's a crisis. But, <laughs> but you know, quietly, one of the most important things we did in that Maps 4 vote was um, set the stage for a renewal of our lease with the thunder um, which will continue to give us to answer your question at its core, the, you know, our, our global reach that we have today, um, where people think about Oklahoma city and even still, I mean, as mayor, I see it, I still have huge challenges getting people to think about Oklahoma city. You know, we, we went through a hundred years of being ignored and right. now we're like slightly less ignored, <laughs> but it's still a challenge, you know, to get people to pay attention to cities that aren't on the coasts. Right. I think there's a stat running around right now. It's like 80% of all venture capital goes to three states, you know, and of course wow. we're not one of those states. Right. You know? <laughs> and, and, um, you know, so it's, it's tough when I'm, when I'm selling Oklahoma city on the coasts, it's just, I mean, they, they're as likely to think of us as they are Omaha or Wichita or Amarillo sometimes, you know, but what we have that sets us apart from those cities and is able to sort of open that door is the thunder, you know? Well, I know the thunder. Right. Well, that's interesting. You have an NBA team, huh? You know, maybe you're a little bigger than I thought you were, you right. know? And so, but, so it's a point of entry. Um, it's a conversation starter, you know? Right. And, and that's, that's the role it plays in that intangible side of the equation. Um, but it's a very real role. I love that insight. That's exactly what I was looking for. Because, you know, we, we hear about the Thunder being so important to this team, but we usually just hear fans talking about it or maybe the team talking about it. So I love hearing from the mayor himself, mm -hmm. you know, how important this team is, not only here locally, but but the reach globally and that it has. You, you got to have an identity. You yeah. got to mark you know, some identity to, to market yourself to the world and, um, and sports is, is the first thing. I mean, other cities, you know, have built a different identity, Nashville's music, Austin's, right. you know, being cool and New York <laughs> is New York, you know, but like, but you know, I don't know that we have, um, a good, you know, path towards any other identity. This right. is the short, this is the golden ticket to get there is professional sports. Um, you know, arguably Native American culture is is one thing. And I'm really excited yeah. in the next two years when we open our museum, because I think that will more solidly give us something unique 
to identify with. But um, other than that, I mean, we're just another just another nondescript middle America, mid-sized city, you know, right. and and the thunder have given us uh, a, a path to break out of that a little bit. And for those who don't know, you're an expert on the subject because you've written a book. <laughs> uh, in 2012, right. you wrote Big League yeah. City. I believe the subtitle was The Rise of Oklahoma City uh, to the NBA. Something like that, yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, okay, so Oklahoma City's rise to the NBA. That's yes. what it was. Man, I was trying to remember. <laughs> uh, but first of all, you should go out and buy that book. It's still available. Full circle or online. Uh, go to bigleaguecitybook.com. Um, do you feel like with everything that's happened since 2012 with this team, all the dramatic twists and turns and trades and superstars, and do you feel like you need to write a sequel? <laughs> do you well, have time to write a sequel? No, is the <laughs> short answer to that. But um, it's a book primarily about the politics and and business machinations of getting the team that we have. You know, the on-court aspect of it is is a sidelight to the book, you know. So, I mean, so the last um, 10, almost 10 years since the book came out, yes. I mean, lots of great on-court stories. But, you know, I, I think it's hard, it's hard to tell um, s- truly sports stories in narrative fashion. I mean, it's really more of a – I do wish somebody would tell the story of NBA basketball on the court in Oklahoma City – but they probably would be best to do it through a video, I think, right. video form. But, um, you know, sometimes if we uh, you know, full circle published it and if we ever go back and or it's actually getting close to running out of all the copies. And if they ever do a second edition, I mean, yeah, I'll certainly update some of the on-court stuff. But it was not an on-court book. So if you're if you're interested, I would suggest to people um, if you're interested in politics and city, you know, planning and think that's really what this book is about. I mean, it's the story of of a city trying to take itself to the next level through professional sports. You know, it's not a sports book. I right. mean, it, certainly if you like sports, there's enough crossover there that you'll uh, enjoy that as an added bonus. But, you know, it's funny. I mean, it's been eight years. People still uh, find it somehow. Um, one of those famous people I got to interact with, Jesse Eisenberg, when we were sitting at, really? the, at the Thunder game. He goes, hey, I'm reading your book. I was like, really? Wow. Like, I mean, how did you, how, you know, like he Googled me or something since we were going to be together. And, uh, and he's like, yeah, it was like the intersection of all my favorite things, like sociology and sports and politics, you know. Really? And, Lex yeah. Luthor read your book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mark Zuckerberg. That's, a, that's yeah. amazing. <laughs> that's incredible. So, yeah. So, you know, read it because Jesse read it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the last couple things uh, I wanted to talk to you about are a little bit more sentimental. First off, I did want to get your thoughts on the city uniforms, mm. the memorial mm-hmm, design. Mm-hmm. What what are your feelings on you know the the relationship between the Oklahoma City Thunder and the memorial? Because there's there's always been this relationship. You know when when the Thunder bring new players in, mm-hmm. Sam Presti always makes sure to to bring them to the memorial. And now there's this. First of all, I think the the jerseys look sharp, mm-hmm. but then their meaning behind them. What, what did you feel about all of that? Well, you know, this is a reminder that the Thunder are like a civic institution in Oklahoma City in a way that maybe other sports teams aren't in their cities because their cities are bigger and maybe they've got four sports teams and like um, they're really just an entertainment option. Here, it's just different. When the Thunder embrace something it's almost like a political leader embracing something i mean it's just it's it matters i mean it was a tipping point and i think our acceptance and and inclusion of diversity in our city when they and i marched together in the pride parade last year you know i mean like it mattered that the thunder did that you know you talk about obviously their relationship with memorial it really is 
great that they have, you know, accepted, again, sort of their civic institutional role and supported uh, the bombing memorial when that, you know, is obviously also so important to our identity as a city. And Sam, I think, has really personally, um, you know, made that happen and, and I'm very appreciative to him for that. And, and so great and wonderful that they would find a way to, to work the 25th anniversary so intrinsically into their se- season this year with, with the City Edition jerseys that, uh, yeah, look great. And, and also build upon last year's City Edition jerseys, which embraced our Native American heritage right. and looked fantastic. So I think we've had two of the most meaningful city edition jerseys yeah. in the whole league. I mean, there's some cool ones I've seen. I mean, like the Miami Vice one's oh, yeah. cool and yeah. like, you know, but um I can't imagine any team that's had two more meaningful jerseys the last 2 years and I think that again sort of represents the connection that the Thunder have with this community in a way that is is pretty unique. It's kind of Green Bay Packer-esque, you know, yes. but but we're a much larger city and uh, may it always be so. Completely agree. Great answer. So the the last thing I wanted to ask you. Good. Thank you. Uh, yeah. yeah really, this is a great answer. <laughs> um, recently, the NBA has suffered two huge losses. Right, right. And David Stern and Kobe Bryant. And both kind of have a special legacy here in Oklahoma City. So the last thing I wanted to ask you, just your feelings on David Stern and his legacy in Oklahoma City and Kobe Bryant and his legacy in Oklahoma City. Yeah. Well, uh, starting with Stern, I mean, uh, I, I have been saying that I don't think there's anyone... If you buy my whole thesis earlier presented that the Thunder are like the most significant positive thing that's happened in Oklahoma City since the land run, you know, then 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 this statement makes more sense. I just think that no one not of Oklahoma City has made more of a positive impact on our city than David Stern, because if for no other reason than in those early days, really, really the Hornets, you know, relocation days, there was no like groundswell in the sports world for Oklahoma city to get an NBA team. You know, we weren't the, we weren't LA without the NFL. I mean, like nobody cared or, you know, really felt much about it even locally. Right. So it would have been the easiest thing in the world when, when all of that was coming together uh, after Katrina for him to, he could have just said, yeah, it's stupid. Right. Go to Kansas city, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, San Diego, Las Vegas, whatever, you know, I mean, and, and he could have, just ended it right there with, with, with that, there would have been no, you know, there was no ownership group that was, you know, that was wanting it here. There was nothing, you know, and instead, I mean, he clearly embraced it, pursued it, you know, didn't just allow it to happen, but really pushed it to happen. And I mean, from Mick Cornette calling David Stern, which led to Stern and Clay and lots of other conversations happening to the tip off of the Hornets here was two months, you know, I mean, it it happened really fast. And, And then, you know, continuing to, you know, being accepting and supportive of Oklahoma City owners buying the Sonics. I mean, you know, he could have said he's a pretty powerful guy at that point in his career. You know, I mean, he was he was smart politically and he knew that, you know, I mean, he still worked for the owners. But I mean, he'd really amassed, you know, a pretty strong power base. And I mean, he certainly could have said, you know what? Absolutely not is are the Sonics leaving Seattle, you know, I mean, but I don't know that he would have said that because of what was happening there and they weren't, you know, they weren't investing in their facilities and, you know, he had to do what he had to do, but, but he let that happen. You know, right. he let us buy that team. He let him relocate. I mean, he, he believed in us bottom line and clearly um, we've rewarded that belief. You know, we've been, what are we like? A, like the 
top five winning team in all of sports period, not just yeah. basketball, it's you know, incredible. for the last 10 years. And then obviously financially, I mean, we've done as well as you possibly can. I mean, we still, you know, we still struggle to compete on the local TV contracts with the Lakers and other teams because of their much larger markets. But um, otherwise, everything else, I, we've more than carried our weight. We've, right. we've caused a lot of jerseys to be sold around the world. We've, yeah. You know, we've caused a lot of great TV ratings and, and energy around the world. And uh, I don't think uh, he would have ever regretted what he what he did for us uh, for any minute of his life. And we certainly, um, I think, should always be grateful to him. And and it, it's it's crazy to say as a kid who grew up here to think that we would have any reason to be grateful to David Stern. <laughs> right. Like, does he right. even know who we are? You know, yeah. like, but what a great you know, but that's just emblematic of how we've arrived. Right. We're, we're playing at that level now that that uh, we were a part and are a part of, you know, American pop culture and American business um, in a way that uh, we didn't necessarily feel that we were before all this. So Kobe Bryant, a um, little different. I mean, more more on the court, you know, uh, the, the interactions he had with Oklahoma City. But I, I feel like we more than carried our weight in hosting some of his important history and, and vice versa. I mean, so... I was reminded by somebody on Twitter last night. I didn't remember this. I wasn't living here in 2002. I was in Washington, D.C., but I guess the Lakers played an exhibition here in 2002. I don't know. Oh, I didn't even remember. A guy on Twitter told me that, so it must be true. It's a good source. (laughs) (laughs) But I can certify he played a game here in 04 because I was here at that game. Right. So he played an exhibition here at the the then Ford Center. It's interesting that there were like 9,000 people there. Wow. Really? And that probably felt pretty good. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But now you play, you know, the Kings on a Tuesday night and there's 18,000 people there. Yeah, I mean, it just, I'll always use that as an example of the difference between when it's your team and when it's just teams, you know, and like, so, so even though he was a stud and they'd won championships by that point, you know, that's the best you could muster was about 9,000 people. (laughs) Right. And um, so, but it was, you know, an early experience with NBA basketball. And then, of course, I think of, that first visit in the regular season of the first Hornet season, I was looking at some highlights last night, as a matter of fact. So I, there's a play in that game. Kobe had 35, but we won. And it was electric that night. It was a Saturday night. I mean, just imagine that. It's our first year of the NBA. Yeah, We've embraced this team. They're actually winning. You know, if you remember, they were kind of contending for a playoff spot all year long. Right. It was a Saturday night in the big town, you know, and <laughs> and Kobe came to town. He scored 35. We won. But I would point out, I would remind you, if anyone was there or remembers that time period, Chris Paul had a play where he took the ball on the run at half court, did a spin move, then to beat two defenders, dribbled it behind his back, wow. and then laid it in, I think with his left hand. I mean, it was a crazy play, yeah. and it should be like in his Hall of Fame reel. And uh, so anyways, but it was a great night. And, you know, just why was it such a great night? Because Kobe, because, you know, he right. was, even though they actually weren't that great that year, the Lakers, they still felt like you won the championship when you beat Kobe Bryant, you know. So that was a great night. And then he, you know, he was there. He was uh, the victor in our very first playoff series, which was a great playoff series. You yeah. know, we almost, we were a bucket away from a seventh game. Yeah. You know, and they went on to win the championship. Then only sort of realized and remembered in the last few days, his final playoff series was against Oklahoma city. Right. Which is incredible. Uh, and, um, I think like, I don't know. I just, nobody, I think really sat down and cause it happened years before the end of his career. So like, I know everybody really realized, wow, that was his last playoff series. And, uh, 
So that happened here. And then, of course, his last road game was in Oklahoma City. So we, I think we sort of feel like we um, said goodbye on behalf of all NBA teams, you know, that right. night and, and had a video presentation and everything um, before he went home and scored 60 points in his final home game. So anyways, yeah, I mean, it was all on the court, but um, I feel like we hosted some history. And again, amazing that Oklahoma City would be in that position to have played any role in Kobe Bryant's career. But, um, you know, I cer- certainly think we did. And uh, we've, you know, uh, the team has done a great job honoring him. They had his picture on the arena all day yesterday. And, uh, and of course, had the presentation before the game last night as we sit here. So anyways, it, it's uh, obviously shocking, sad, all those things. And I certainly... Um, send the condolences of the people of Oklahoma City to, to all the victims of, of that terrible tragedy. You said that David Stern had the most positive impact on Oklahoma since the land run. Mm-hmm. I would argue that Mayor Holt is going to give him a run for his money <laughs> by the time that you're, you're well, done. I, very I, kind, Brandon. I truly mean that. I truly mean that. <laughs> Thank you so much on behalf of Oklahoma City for everything that you're doing um, to help this city and thank you personally for coming on the oh, podcast today. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank Fantastic you so much. Episode. I'm glad we could spend this time. Absolutely. <laughs> we wanted to end our show this week with a tribute to the great Kobe Bryant. Like all of you, I was completely shaken up when I heard the news of his tragic death this past Sunday. And the news became even more heartbreaking when word that his 13-year-old daughter and Mamba in training, Gianna, was with her dad in the helicopter when it crashed. Our thoughts and prayers go out to Kobe's wife, Vanessa, their three surviving daughters, and the rest of his family and loved ones. Like many NBA fans, I think my feelings on Kobe Bryant transformed throughout the years. You see, first off, he was a Laker, and even at a young age, he was really, really good. So since the Lakers were like the New York Yankees or the Dallas Cowboys or the NBA, if you're a fan of any other team, you automatically just didn't like the dude. My first really strong feeling, though, was the 2003 All-Star Game when my childhood NBA hero, Michael Jordan, hit a shot with just a few seconds left in the first overtime. It gave the East the lead, and it would have given the retiring Jordan, he was a Washington Wizard at this point, it was his final year, would have given him one final All-Star MVP. Everybody in the world wanted to see it, but there's this young kid, this competitor named Kobe Bryant, and just like his idol, Michael Jordan, he was too competitive to just let the old man get the MVP without a fight. So, he got two questionable, I still say questionable foul calls on the other end. Of course, Kobe sank both of them and sent the game into double OT. The West ended up winning. It ruined NJ's last All-Star game. So, young me was really mad at Kobe Bryant. My dislike of Kobe only grew over the years as it became even greater and won more and more titles with the freaking Lakers. Then the Thunder came along. Of course, I fell in love. We have our first playoff team. And Russ, KD, Harden, Ibaka, Nick Collison, they pushed the Lakers to a Game 6 and one tip in away from Game 7. So my bitterness towards Kobe should have hit an all-time high. But a funny thing happened. He said some nice things about Oklahoma City. He said some really nice things about Russell Westbrook, Kevin Durant, James Harden, and about the Oklahoma City fans. He validated us. So my hate started being replaced just a little bit with respect. As more years went by and I was continually wowed by his wisdom, his intelligence, and his work ethic, that respect grew. 
He showered more praise on the Russ, on the KD in Oklahoma City. My respect turned into admiration, and eventually admiration turned into something even crazier, like I actually liked Kobe Bryant. By the time his final season came around, I was a bona fide Kobe Bryant fan. He was a Laker. He stole my childhood basketball hero's final all-star game MVP. He beat my hometown team in their first playoff series, and yet I was a full-blown Kobe stand, seeking out Kobe highlight reels and interviews because I always wanted to catch a glimpse of that intelligence and that wit. He had a confidence about him. He had an aura about him. Between his otherworldly play and his likable, brainy bravado, he seemed like he just kind of floated just a little bit above the rest of us down here on earth. And unfortunately, he is no longer with us on this earth. Rest easy, Kobe and Gianna. You will be missed, but your legacies will never die. Yes, this is James from Oklahoma City. I don't have a specific memory that stands out for me in regards to Kobe. Um, the thing that stands out to me is there's a handful of players that I've watched um, in the past. I just couldn't stand the player because they just wouldn't miss and there's nothing you could do about it. And that's the feeling you got with Kobe when he was when he was on was there's just nothing you could do. He, he was just going to go score. Bryant closing his wow. Inside, Are you kidding me? Again. Kobe Bryant has got 15 points in the first quarter. The other thing that you can see in his face, most recent pictures and videos, is just how happy he was. Uh, he put all his work in. In the NBA, he made his money, and he had arrived, obviously, and he was getting to enjoy his family and his money, and you could tell he just was loving life, and it's, that's another really sad part of the deal was that that got cut short. Hey, this is Josh Fair, Tulsa, Oklahoma. Literally, the number one thing that's always stood out to me was that very first playoff run when we played the Lakers, and in game six, when we had a chance to push it to game seven, we were fighting and scrapping with the eventual world champions. And Kobe puts up this jump shot, and like literally the whole world just stopped. Like everybody just stood and watched as he took that shot. And then, of course, Bissell gets the rebound, puts it back in. They end up winning the game, and they go to the second round. But I just remember in that moment, I'm like, I don't remember a player ever just making the world stop like that with one shot. Like everybody on the court just stood and watched him, and it was just a, it was just kind of an amazing thing. And it always stuck to me, uh, watching and you know remembering that play because that's that was just the greatness of Kobe Bryant. Kobe up against Russell Westbrook. Eight seconds left. Ready to go. Kobe baseline fall away. No. Gasol yes on the follow. Paul Gasol <laughs> timing things with a half a second to play. Hey, this is Jacob Nissen here from OKC with the uncontested Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Uh, the first season of Thunder in the playoffs against Kobe Bryant, Pau Gasol, Andrew Bynum. Uh, and it was, it was the time that I felt like the Thunder actually had made it in the NBA. Uh, we were finally getting national recognition. And growing up, I was never a Kobe fan. But after the Thunder lost that series in six games off of Pau Gasol tipping, there was an interview courtside with Kobe Bryant after the game in which he said that uh, he had to look out for the Thunder moving forward because Russell Westbrook, Kevin Durant, those guys were dogs. And just, he, he complimented Loud City, he complimented the city, he complimented the fans, he complimented everything that was that was going on here in Oklahoma City with basketball. And it was just the, the moment of 
when you get respect from that guy, you know, I was never a Kobe fan, but but I always respected the dude. And, and to know that he gave Oklahoma City that respect, that meant something. That meant you made it, you know. And so, you know, rest in peace, Kobe. We're going to miss him. Uh, his transition after basketball uh, was promising to be something very, very special. And uh, and also his daughter, you know, and, and the future that she had. And so the tragic, tragic accident, tragedy, and it's awful, but I'll never forget the way that a guy that I didn't even cheer for made me feel because we got validation from that guy. Nobody studies the game, watches more tape than you do. What did you see that made you go to Phil Jackson and say, I want to guard Russell Westbrook? I just wanted to take the challenge. I mean, he's really developed into being a great player in this league, and as he goes, their team goes. So you know, I figured I might as well take him. I don't know what the media's doing out here, but everybody needs to just lay off of Russell. Yeah. yeah, that's a bad little dude, man. Bad little dude, man. You guys are fortunate to have him. You guys got two explosive scorers here, so I like how he's playing. He just got to continue to improve and do his thing. Do you see any of you in him? I mean, obviously, he's not you. Yeah, he's, <laughs> got, saying, he's, got, the, he's got the he's same. He's got the potential to be explosive. He's got the same type of dog that I had in me and I still have in me. You know, when I was coming up playing with Shaq, he's got the same fight. You know, he's just 6'4". Hey, guys. This is. Travis Cagle. The first time I saw Kobe play was game five in the first round of the 2012 playoffs. We got the very last row inside the entire stadium, but we were right at half court. And I remember after that game, we beat the Lakers in five games. Kobe had a good game. He had 42, but like leaving the arena, I honestly felt invincible. Like I couldn't believe that we knocked off the LA Lakers and that was such a huge moment. How much of a difference would it make getting the series over quickly rather than having a that's, long and drag on one for your health? That's not gonna happen. This is, this is a dog fight. Yeah, it's, 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 not, not gonna, it's gonna be a long one? Yeah, it's, you're not gonna sit here. I'm not gonna sit here and say you know, the series is gonna be over in five or six or, you know, we gotta, we gotta fight, man. We got a serious fight on this. Is this so. an opinion that you thought it would be a dogfight at the start? Or, right did, the start. or in the third quarter did it start? To right be from a the start, fight? we knew it was going to be tough. I mean, these kids ain't rolling over. They're here to play, they're here to win. And they have the talent to be able to do it. Honestly, the thing that is sticking with me the hardest right now is nothing's guaranteed. You know, that's not how his story was supposed to end. And uh, I think that's something that we all need to look at and we need to you know hug each other kiss our kids we, we need to live in the moment and we need to enjoy it and we need to enjoy each other very special especially for me man growing up in la a young boy watching the lakers and, and watching him um you know kind of take over the town and to be here now uh, you know in nba and being a part of his last game is something special to me um it's a blessing and it's something i'll never uh, take for granted The Lakers down one. Will Kobe give them one last gamer? Bryant on the move with the jumper. He oh, my! 58 points! And the Lakers lead!
Thank you so much for listening and for supporting Daily Thunder. If you leave us a review in Apple Podcasts, you might hear it on the show. You can follow our guest, Mayor David Holt, at David F. Holt. I promise you he is one of the best Twitter followers you'll ever find. And you can follow me, at Brandon Rabar, as I cover the Thunder Beat. If you become a patron of the show, you'll receive early access to Daily Thunder content, including bonus podcast segments, along with the weekend edition, a rundown of the best stories, news, tweets, and shenanigans from the Thunder Universe, complete with a letter from the editor written exclusively for our patrons. You can join today at patreon.com slash dailythunder. This podcast is produced by Rachel Jamison. You can follow her, I don't know why you would, but you can, at Rach Jamison. Send your questions and feedback to dailythunder at gmail.com and stay on dailythunder.com every day to catch the latest Thunder news, recaps, analysis, interviews, and more. We'll see you next week.